Please take your Bibles. Join me in Genesis chapter 11. If you are visiting with us, you have joined us in the midst of a journey through the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings. We're currently studying the genealogy in the last half of chapter 11. Last week we covered verses 10 through 26 where the seed line of the Messiah goes from Shem to Terah, who is the father of Abram. We considered how Christ would be the seed of the woman, and why it was important for Him to be born into this world and live among us, instead of just simply descending from heaven and laying down His life He lived among us, He was born into this world so that He could identify with us. And what a thought. As a result of that, we have a faithful high priest who knows what it is like to be tempted. He has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities and He has even experienced death for us. There is no other God like our God. He knows what we go through, and therefore He knows how to care for us. We also considered from this genealogy how God has planned it all. He knows the end from the beginning. And God, He saw beforehand the seed line. Before they ever knew it, before they were ever born, God knew their parents and God knew who was going to be born of them. None of this is left to chance. None of this is by accident. And that's important for you to understand because God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. You are special to God and He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and talk with you along the way. He wants to guide you through this life. And we have to be assured of these truths if we want to go deeper in the Christian life. We have to learn to trust Him in all things. Well, amen. For today, let's pick up where we left off by reading verses 27 through 32. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, and she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them, from Ur of the Chaldees, to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. The days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. In verses uh, 10 through 26, we go through nine generations very quickly. And the only information we get is their age. The next one that was begotten in the seed line of Christ and then how long they lived after that. But now in verses 27 through 32, we notice things begin to slow down. We get more information. And this is because we're building up to Abram. 
In verse 27, we're told, Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, which we were told in verse 26, but now we get the addition of Haran's son, Lot, because Lot will eventually play a role in the life of Abram, or later Abraham. And for any of you who are study bugs, it may be of interest that although Abram is listed first, he is not the eldest. As we have already considered in a previous message, when we come to genealogies, sometimes the the prominent one is given the position first. And in this case, that would be Abram because he's in the seed line of Christ. You'll notice in verse 26 that it says, Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And in verse 32, Terah was 205 when he died. But if you'll take this along with the information in Genesis 12.4 that Abram was 75 when he departed Haran after the death of Terah, it would mean that Terah was 130 when Abram was born. And because Nahor married the daughter of Haran, it stands to reason that, that Haran would have been the eldest. And it means that Haran was born 60 years before Abram. How many of you parents like to deal with that? I'm good, I'm good. Well, there you go. In verse 28, we're told, Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. Unfortunately, Haran didn't live long enough to have the opportunity to leave with Abram to go to Ur, or to get out of Ur. And I don't want to dwell here because I hate to stir up emotions, but I just want to say my heart goes out to any who has ever had to bury a child. And that's what's happened here. Um, I'll never forget when my dad had to bury his daughter, Kelly. And it was the saddest and the lowest I'd ever seen my dad get. And I can only imagine the pain that is associated with that. And, and frankly, I pray I never have to deal with that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a pain I observed I would never wish upon my enemies. But as we know, death is no respecter of persons. It does not discriminate. Death does not go by seniority. We're not even guaranteed the rest of today. There'll be more on this as we get to the meat of the message. In verse 29, we're told Abram and Nahor took them wives. By the way, I read that Nahor means snorer. Some of you know what it's like to live with a Nahor. I don't know where that came from. It's not my notes, but all right. Abram and Nahor took them wives. And I suppose I can make application here how a man takes a wife, a woman does not take a husband. But I'm not going to do that. No, if your wife got her claws into you, then just praise God and press on, you're married. Um, You can call me old-fashioned if you want, that's okay. I think there is something to be said for a man pursuing a wife and not the other way around. I believe there is Bible to support this. Now we're moving on. Now, if you're putting this together in verse 29, you're beginning to realize very close family members are marrying each other. And you may go, ugh. And you should. (laughs) But have no fear, this was before the law. Once the law was issued, this would have been strictly forbidden. But remember... 
from earlier messages, they're still very close to the headwaters here, as it were. And so there is not the need um, genetically to have this separation. This is still safe, and God hasn't forbidden this yet. Now, why are we given this information about Nahor and his wife when they um, are not in the seed line? Well, I believe we are told this because they will be connected to the seed line in time when Isaac marries Rebekah, who was the granddaughter of Nahor. And Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel, will be his great-granddaughters. Moving on to verse 30, we are told Abram's wife, Sarai, was barren, and she had no child. And this is a very important piece of information that we need to know as we go into Abram's life. Really, as we move along in the next few chapters in Genesis... We're going to cover this at length as we go. I'm not going to dwell here now, but I just want to say to any of those that want a child but can't so far, God is able. I know him. You probably have heard testimonies of how God has worked. The Lord is going to say to Abraham in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. This is something we'll see six times as you go throughout the Bible. Um, with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, Manoah and his wife, Elkanah and Hannah, and Zacharias and Elizabeth. God can. God is able. Just keep trusting God. And don't get so focused on the disappointment that you miss magnifying God. Psalm 113 verse 9, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Well, in verse 31, we're told Terah took Abram, Sarai, and Lot out of Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And really, we can only speculate as to why they settled down there in in Haran. And I'll give you some application here in just a moment, but some suppose Terah was too old to continue the journey. And so they waited for him to pass, and he did in, in, there in Haran. Now, I want to show you a slide. This was a, a very extremely long journey, and I asked my wife if this would be beneficial, and she said yes, but of course she couldn't find South Dakota on the map if, if she had to. And so this was an extremely long journey to make. It was several hundred miles from Ur. Ur's down here. Sorry, I forgot the laser pointer. It's a very long journey. Um, If he took the route along the Euphrates River, as this depicts, which would make the most sense, it was probably over 600 miles then from Ur to Haran and then over another 400 miles from Haran down to Shechem, which is where Abram will eventually end up there in the land of Canaan. So I wanted to show you this to give you an idea because in today's message, we're going to talk about these three locations. And so if you can get that in your mind, they're starting in Ur, they get to Haran, they stop there, Terah dies, and then the rest of the party goes on to Shechem. All right, let's go ahead and turn that back off. Thank you, gentlemen. And you're welcome. We spare no expense here. Amen. All right, I'm glad I took the effort to do that. Did that help, honey? Okay. I forgot to show you where Turkey was. You all right? Okay. Um, I should have given you some general ideas of where things were on there. Okay. Now, having given you just some basic information here, what are we to get from this account? Because that's all gee whiz, that's great to know, but what, what are we to get from this? First, I think we need to consider the environment that Abram grew up in. 
and really we need to consider this as we think about his life. And when we think about Abram, the land of his nativity is Ur of the Chaldees. This was a place which was steeped in idolatry. I mean, everywhere. This was not a Baptist church on every corner kind of a place. This was idolatry at every turn. In Joshua 24, verses 2 and 3, I think I might have read this last week, but Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I mentioned last week that the other side of the flood is speaking of a river, either the Jordan or the Euphrates. It makes most sense that it applies to the Euphrates River since that was in Mesopotamia. But whatever the case is, that area where he's leaving is full of idolatry. And largely they were worshiping the moon and the sun and the stars. That was a large part of their idolatry. But what we learn is that Abram's father, Terah, worshipped and served other gods. I thank God for my heritage. God's been good to me, and I'm not saying He wasn't good to you if you weren't raised in a Christian home, but I thank God for my upbringing, and I'm thankful for that. It's hard for me to imagine being raised in a home where God is not recognized. Come on now. In a home where God is never spoken of, where the Bible is never open, where no one ever goes to church and it's not even a thought. That's Abram's life. That's his childhood. That's how he's growing up. His father was an idolater. He worshipped other gods. And at some point, I would imagine that Abram would have participated in the family's religion. I would think that just knowing raising kids, they'll pretty much do what you tell them up to a certain age. And then it's, no, I'm just kidding. Everybody chill out. Just kidding. I heard a great message about this yesterday. Thank you, Pastor DeGarmo, for ruining my whole method of discipline. You had to be here for men's prayer. So here he is, and he's in this place of idolatry. He's probably been one himself at some point, or at least practiced it, even if he didn't fully understand it, as we see a lot with kids, even in our church. But now according to Acts chapter 7, God appeared to Abram first when he was in Ur. This this will be important when we get to chapter 12. I'm going to go ahead and kind of lay the groundwork here. But according to Stephen, and we're actually covering this on Sunday nights, go figure. But God appeared to Abram when he was in Ur. Acts 7 verses 2 through 4, The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into his land wherein ye now dwell. Now why do I bring this up? Because depending on how you read Genesis 12, verses 1-4, through it could be God appeared again to Abram when he was in Haran, And like I said, we'll dig into this deeper next time when we get to chapter 12. But verse 4 over there says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed 
out of Haran. So, here's a man that is surrounded by idolatry. He's raised in an idolatrous family. He may have even been an idolater himself at some point, and yet the Lord calls out to him. And through Abram, who will become Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is quite a thought. Now, what what are we to get from this text? I, I want to make an application of the progression in their journey that we see as they leave Ur and they make their way to Haran and then eventually we know into the land of Canaan. And in making this application, here's what I want to do. I want to consider Ur as the land of the lost. It is steeped in idolatry. That's how we're going to view this. And then we'll consider Haran as the middle ground. And then we'll talk about the land of Canaan. And that's the place of God's best. And by the way, the middle ground, we can apply this either to the saved or the lost. I'll say more when we get there. And this is just an application, not an interpretation. But I think it's one worth looking at. Notice in verse 28, Haran died in the land of his nativity. Now we can use this as a picture of those who never see their great need for God. They never see their need for deliverance. The problem is we are born in sin outside of the kingdom of heaven. Is everybody with me this morning? We're born with a problem. We're born outside of the kingdom. The reality is we are born at enmity against God. We are born the enemies of God. We're not born as citizens of heaven. But we are born on the outside looking in. Ephesians 2.12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's Abram and Ur. Without Christ, we have no hope of having our sins forgiven. And so without Christ, we have no hope of having a righteous standing before God. Because we are born in sin, we can never be good enough to reach God on our own. And therefore, God came down to us. Whoop! And while dwelling in earth, you may think you have time. And you may think you can wait to leave your sinful past behind. Because Uncle Leroy got saved on his deathbed and I can do the same thing. First of all, you don't know what happened to Leroy. You couldn't see his heart. And who says you're going to be given that same amount of time? Who says you're even going to make it that long? You may think you have time, but as we see with Haran, you may die before you plan to die. You may not live as long as you expect. You may end up dying in the land of your nativity. In other words, you could die in your sins and you could go to hell all because you were too prideful to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And you think you have time. Acts 24, verses 24 and 25. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. 
when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. What if there is no convenient season? What if death comes upon you suddenly? Did you know the Bible says there's only one time for salvation, and that time is now? 2 Corinthians 6.2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, others that are dwelling in earth, they're just indifferent. They don't seem to care one way or the other. They take a, a whatever approach to their existence and, and the existence of God and, and their eternal destination. And eternity will be their great wake-up call. But it'll be too late after this life is over. Hebrews 10, 29-31, of how much sore punishment. Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Next, there are those who have heard the call and they move in the right direction, but they don't quite get there. In verse 31, they head in the direction of the land of Canaan. And you may say, well, how come they just didn't take a beeline straight to the land of Canaan? Because you have to go through this thing called the Arabian Desert. And it's not a good idea. That's why they went up and around. They head in the right direction, but when they get to Haran, they get just over halfway, they dwell there. And they never make it any further. Now, I hope you're hearing me here because this is most people. They never make it any further. Now, let's begin by making the application to the lost. And, and we'll make application to the saved. But they never dwell in the blessings of God. These are those who the Bible classifies as lukewarm. For those who are still in this lost category, they understand the call to come out by God. For those of you in, in, this, in this kind of a church, you, you know, you understand the call to come out by God, but they never fully come to God for salvation. And again, it's usually out of pride. Remember the words of Paul to Agrippa? Acts 26, verses 27 and 28. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. These are those who are hoping to get in. Have you talked to them? These are those who hope they have done enough. But they never realize that their salvation is totally of God. They'll cite the fact that they made it all the way to Haran and that that's somehow a good thing, but to make it all the way to Haran is still to come up short of God. Almost persuaded is to be totally lost. Matthew 12, a scribe came to Jesus asking, which is the first commandment of all? And in short, Jesus replies, love God and love your neighbor. The scribe agrees. At the end of that conversation, Jesus still had to say to him these words. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Not far is still on the outside. Or how about the rich man who came to Jesus and asked in Matthew 19, 
What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Long story short, Jesus put his finger on his problem and said, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. If you go back and look at that account, you'll see that man, hey listen, that man had lived a moral life. He did. He, he lived clean. But good works apart from God are as filthy rags. And they can never make us right in the sight of a holy God. We, we must have Christ's righteousness imputed upon us. So you may be here, you may, you may have made it out of Ur, you may be dwelling in Haran, and yet you're still not there. You got, you got halfway and you parked it, and you decided to go no further. And you may, you may live the part, you may look the part, but you know. Now what about those in the saved category that are in Haran? Well, some of these can appear like they're living in Canaan. Amen. Grow up in good churches. They know when to say amen. All right, some of y'all still need to work on that, but that's okay. But they're dwelling in Haran. They are still half-hearted. You hear what I'm saying? These are those, they've come out of earth, but, but listen, they're not all in. They're not all in for God. Maybe once they were headed in the right direction, but they got sidetracked along the way. I can relate to this. This happened to me early in my life. They get sidetracked along the way. They joyfully had received the Word, but they never developed any roots, and they were sidetracked by tribulations and persecutions. Or they received the Word, but they got sidetracked by the cares of this world. Hey, my dad's getting old, and, and, and I think he just needs to rest here in Haran. And, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the Word of God is choked in your life by the thorns that grow. And you become unfruitful. And unfortunately, many of them who make it to Haran never go any further with God. What does the end of verse 32 say? And Terah died in Haran. Is that how you want your life to end? Do you want to come up short of God's best? And then we come to those who make it to Canaan's land in full obedience to God. And we're not going to be able to get into all this today, but Abram was not fully obedient to God until the day God finally forced his nephew Lot out of his life. And that'll be a message in the future. Abram was told, you need to leave your country, you need to leave your kindred, and you need to leave your father's house. But it took time for him to get it all right. And this is typical of many of us as we grow in the Lord. There are things along the way that we're hesitant to drop by the wayside that God said, I need you to come out from. And sometimes what happens is we get hung up in Haran. And some can even go from Haran and they can go into Canaan, but they're still hanging on to what God said to part with. You see, this Christian life is a growth process. And that's why you ought to show patience to people that aren't quite as spiritual as you. But those who go on to Canaan... These are the ones, we're just making application, these are the ones who truly want God's best. They're still growing, and maybe everything's not perfect, but they're pursuing after God. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And these are those who get to enjoy the blessings of God's covenant. If we view this as the land of salvation, then this is where we have entered into the blessings of the new covenant with God. Remember that it will be in the land of Canaan where God is going to enter into a covenant with Abram and later Abraham. And that's going to be fulfilled in the new covenant. But how do we get there? That's great. How do we get there? It's by faith alone. You see, faith is the only way to please God. And here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. He left by faith. Abram, later Abraham, went on to experience God's best for his life. But, but keep in mind, this was a man who had been surrounded by idolatry all the way back there in Ur. Raised in idolatry. Maybe even practiced idolatry. And the Lord calls out to him. God will later promise to Abraham that he'll be a father of many nations. And that will also find his fulfillment in Christ. Now, what a thought that God can use a man like Abram. Yeah, that is amen. Good, Brett, you're teaching him. What a thought. And I want you to see, now, now get this. I want you to understand this morning, God does not need perfect situations to work. In fact, God cannot use perfect situations because there are no perfect situations. God does not need sinless people to work because there are no sinless people. God cannot use perfect people. There are no perfect people. Are you with me? Are you getting this? This means, gotcha, anyone can apply to serve God. That means all of you that had time could have raised your hand and said, yes, I'll go and make sure the Word of God gets printed tomorrow night. Anybody can apply. Did you know God wants your availability, not your ability? God doesn't need your ability because all glory belongs to Him. And He said, no flesh can glory in my presence. God just wants your life. God just wants you to be willing to say, Here am I, Lord. Use my life for your glory. But here's what's going to happen. Mark it down. Satan is going to come along and whisper in your ear that you can't be used by God because after all, you have a sinful past. Well, join the club. That's why I got saved because I had a sinful past. And he wants to come along and get you convinced that you can't be used by God. And listen to me, please. Do not fall for the lie that everybody around you this morning came from a perfect situation, and that's why God can use them. It happens. That's how people think. That's how the enemy wants you to think. As you look around and say, well, no wonder God's using Brother Long. He had a perfect situation, and he never had any problems in his life. Amen. You know what I'm talking about, and you know it's true. Because that's how people get sometimes. And they go, God can't use me the way He uses them. Wait a minute. God called out to an idolatrous family and said, I want you to come out. And He obeyed. 
God wants to use your life. That blows my mind. And, and listen, God doesn't need a perfect background. He doesn't need a perfect family. We all have a past. We all battle sin. But God can work through us when we are willing and we're trying to live for Him. If we went around the room today, it may surprise you to hear where we all have come from. What all God has brought us out of and what all we're still battling. Thank God for His mercy and grace. God called Abram out of idolatry. Abraham was a liar. Sarah doubted God. Isaac was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses was a murderer. Aaron made the golden calf. Samson was a womanizer. David was an adulterer and he had her husband put to death. Peter denied Christ. Paul was a murderer. I'm not endorsing any of those things. But I am trying to prove to you God can and will use a willing heart. We all have a past. We all have shortfalls. But God says, if you will come to Me, I will in no wise cast you out. Just let it sink in. The Creator God who said, let there be and it was, wants a relationship with you. He wants your life. He does not need your life. He wants your life. Imagine how rewarding it would be to serve the Lord with your life. And I don't mean in ministry like this, but I just mean... You yielding your life to God and say, God, you use my life however you see fit. And if that means giving me free tickets to a football game, so be it. (laughs) However, God uses your life. I don't even know where that came from. I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful there came a day when God called out to me. I can remember when God called out to me and I was still in Ur of the Chaldees. Man, I feel like testifying all of a sudden. And there I was at a week-long teen thingamajig. It wasn't a camp, but it was one of them gatherings, you know, the Southern Baptists do. And, and we went down there to Jekyll Island, Georgia, and there I was sitting on the beach. And for the first time, I'd gotten away from everything. I'd gotten away from everybody. God said, get away from your family. And I got down there, and I had the Word of God there on the beach. God began to call out to me as I sat there in the Ur of the Chaldees. And God said, I want your life. I just want to walk with you. I just want to talk with you. And that, that week, Lord, here am I. Save me. And God saved this old boy. I'm so thankful when God called out to me in, in, in Weejambu, Korea. Actually, it started down where Kaylee's at right now, down in Kunsan. I went down there to the haven. I was visiting a preacher there, long story short, and as I, I got there, and, and God, and, and when we get to chapter 12, I'll tell you, that's my verse, man, as far as Korea goes. God said, get out of your country, get out of your family's house, leave your kindred. And when I did that, God got a hold of my life, and I remember as I bowed there at the altar at the haven, and I said, God, I have nothing to offer you. 
But if you will take my life, it is yours to use. Here's my heart. And I said, Lord, I don't have any great abilities. And that's still true today. My wife knows if I say, let me go see if I can fix it, that's a bad thing. Lord, I don't have any great abilities, but if you will use my voice, I will preach your word. And my parents said, finally a good use for that boy's mouth. And, and I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning is, stop with the excuses. Stop looking at your past. If you've been washed in the blood of Christ, your sins are gone. And you don't need to live in the sins of your past. Don't believe the lie of Satan, but get in the fight. I don't know about you, friends, but I want to die on the battlefield for my Lord. Where are you at in these three stations? Some of you may still be in Ur. It's time to be saved if that's you. Don't die in the land of your nativity. Be born again and enter into the land God has prepared for those who love Him. If you're still in Haran, it's time to get all in. Hey, listen, some of y'all just need to go ahead and get off the fence. You need to stop trying to have one hand in Ur, one hand in Haran, and a third hand in the land again. Three hands. I don't know how we did that, but that's where we ended up. Listen, it's time to stop being lukewarm. You need to have God and His Word and His church as a priority in your life. Did you hear what I said? You need to have God, His Word, and His church as a priority in your life. Here's what you need to do if you're stuck in Haran and you're dwelling there still. You need to go ahead and just sell out for God. If you're in Canaan, I want to encourage you to keep living by faith. Keep dwelling in the blessings of God. Keep growing. Keep pursuing after God. Give God your life and allow Him to direct your path. Would you pray with me, please?